return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Beautiful people who love your word, thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, making it to come alive. Thank you for illumination by your spirit. Thank you for the anointing upon me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right, we're, um, I titled it Jesus, our knitter. We have a knitting specialist with us this morning who's going to share just a little bit. Hopefully, it comes all together for you. So um, I'm also titled it Heaven's Intentions for You. We're going to be working with First uh, Peter 5.10. It's a benediction, a blessing, a prayer um, for Peter's audience, which would have to include you and me. Uh, if we take a look at the beginning of his letter, First uh, Peter two, 1, verse 2, he addresses the letter to, King James says, to the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Kind of big words, <laughs> right? So that's why we brought up the Passion Translation here. It says, you have been chosen. Do you include yourself in that group? Hey, I've been chosen. Say that with me. I've been chosen and destined by Father God. And here's the destiny of heaven for every one of us. The Holy Spirit has set you, you, apart to be God's holy one obedient followers of Jesus Christ who have been gloriously sprinkled with his blood. Hallelujah. May God's delightful grace and peace cascade over you many times over. Receive that right now in Jesus' name. Can you just feel it, sense it, the cascading? We're talking about wave after wave after wave of peace coming on you. Grace coming on you. King James, I actually like right there, it says multiplied grace, multiplied peace. Mm, it's not just a little dabble do you ever with God, right? It's one wave after the other. Glory to God. Now, he ends this first letter then with this benediction that we're going to kind of unpack today. We're in 1 Peter 5, verse 10, and it begins like this. The God of all grace. It starts with the word but. So in other words, you can read the whole rest of the, the letter, but in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, He's referring to a little bit of suffering they were going through. You might be experiencing a little affliction or problem or two right about now. In the midst of it all, we have this God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that you have suffered a while. Now, most of the other translations, I think King James is the only one that does not specify that it's a little while. A short while, a very brief while. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul, by the Holy Ghost, assures us that any suffering, any affliction, any trouble we have is but for a moment. And if you put it on the scale of your problem, your trial, and the glory that's coming after with Christ, I mean, 
the weightiness of the glory way outdoes any problem or trial that we're going through. So, in other words, there's no comparison. So back to 1 Peter 5.10, the God of all grace who has called you to share in his glory is up to something in our lives. And this is what he's up to. He is going to make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle us. So the premise of this whole verse, of all these great promises, these intentions of heaven, is that we have this God of all grace. Hallelujah. And of course, Peter is speaking from experience. (laughs) I mean, he had a boo-boo or two in his life. Anybody? A failure here or there? Yeah, he denied Jesus three times, but then he was completely restored divinely strengthened and empowered, even as Jesus prophesied he would be. So Peter is understandably obsessed with the grace of God. Anybody else in the room? I just hear that word grace and like, oh, it's just like this melting, right? So what is grace? We're talking about unmerited favor. We're talking about this um, privilege, divine privilege, access to our Father, to our Savior. We're talking also, though, about divine energy and supernatural ability. It's this two-sided coin. Favor, privilege, divine favor, unmerited, unconditional favor. But it's also power, operational power and divine energy. And a lot of people don't see grace like that. There is power flowing to you. Hallelujah. And uh, the Bible talks about a lot of kinds of grace. Notice God of all grace. What kind of grace is there? There's forgiving grace. We've all experienced that. But we also want to be able to give it away. We want to be able to give forgiving grace. There's healing grace. There's restoring grace. There's overcoming grace. There's finishing grace. Joel Osteen did an entire message on finishing grace. It's cool. Just that God's given us power to keep going, keep going, and win in the end, right? Plus, there's such a complete sufficiency about his grace, no matter our failure, no matter our weakness. Grace is that power by which God enables us always to prevail. And that's really got to get to to be a personal revelation. Every one of us in the room have to personally get that, that God has set it up for you, for you, for you, for you to win, to overcome. It's there. It's already been provided. So here's this verse, the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory. He's talked about this grace. I've kind of unpacked it a bit. Then he goes on to talk about this eternal glory. Let's peek at the message Bible here. Because we have this amazing high calling, friends. Uh, Here's what the message says. The suffering won't last forever. Somebody needs to hear that today. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God, here's a reference to this God of grace, this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ. Eternal and glorious plans they are. It won't be long before he will have you put together and on your feet for good. Don't you love it? Hallelujah. I don't know. Has anybody ever had your husband or a friend uh, arrange a surprise for you? Maybe even some surprise flowers that show up at your house. Or, ah, we're going to go on a surprise date or a surprise vacation. Anybody? (laughs) Surprises are kind of fun. 
plans. I mean, some of those took a while to arrange. But our God doesn't just make plans and strategize for us just for a day, an hour, a week, or a lifetime even. He has plans for us for eternity. Remarkable plans. We're going to rule and reign with him? Oh, come on, guys. This is pretty nice. And um, let's see. You said you couldn't find Weymouth translation, so let me read it to you. It says it like this, the God, the giver of all grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory. The Passion Translation, you found that one, brings it out as well. It says, after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, there's another kind of grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ. Now, come on. Jesus Christ is what? The magnificent king of glory, right? Glory to God. He is the one seated at the most honorable place in the universe, the right hand of the Father. He is worthy forever of praise and honor and glory. And the seraphim, Isaiah 6 talks about the seraphim. You know what that means. That means fiery ones. They are so close to the God who's the all-consuming fire that they are literally fiery ones. And all they can sing about all day long is... The holiness of God. And his kingdom, it's going to last forever and ever and ever. And yet we, the redeemed mankind, we get to share in all that same glory. Doesn't that blow you away? Oh my goodness. So uh, that's why this kind of hope, just knowing what we have in Christ becomes an anchor for our soul. It's part of establishing and strengthening us and making us secure in Christ. Knowing and believing what is ours in Christ. It'll make a difference today, but it'll make a difference in the middle of the storm and at the end of it all. And uh, I think Pastor Dave was trying to explain this um, a couple weeks ago, that this inheritance that we have in Christ, the large majority of Christians believe that that inheritance starts when we die. No. And that's what Pastor Dave was trying to explain. This whole thing, this is called the New Testament. In other words, when a testator dies, that's when the inheritance starts. He's been talking to us about, you'd be right in that lawyer's office right away. What's mine? What's mine? Well, that's what we're up to. We're trying to find out what is ours, and it's ours now, now, now. Yes, there's a whole lot more glory coming a little later, but a whole lot of it is ours right now. Hallelujah. So um, this hope becomes an anchor for our soul. It becomes a stabilizer. We're talking about assurance and confidence and strength so that we can finish strong. So we've talked about, back to 1 Peter 5, 10, we've talked about this God of extravagant grace, this generous God with immense favor, that flows to us continually. We talked about the energy and the power and the sufficiency of that grace. Then he calls our, our attention to our future. That should put a smile on everybody's face. Our future in Christ. Mm. But the next word is, is, I think, my favorite. I mean, if I had to choose. But you know what? It doesn't even show up in the King James. But just about every other translation has it. So we're going to look at it from the New American Standard. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, favor, energy, power, ability, 
who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, I don't know about you, but that really moves me because God could have assigned angels. He could have just said, oh, you, 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 you're in charge of them calls, but keep your eye on her. Or he could have said, hey, listen to I have redeemed you. I have set you free. I've given you all this grace, all this glory, all this inheritance. Okay, you're on your own now. He doesn't do it that way, friends. He takes this personal. He himself personally perfects, confirms, strengthens, and establishes us. He is concerned with you. He is watching you. He has, he has his eye on you. He is strategizing constantly. How can I get mm, Kathy to be just a little bit more established in faith? How can I get Natalie just to be so sure who she is in Christ? I mean, that's what God's up to. It's such a personal thing with him. So um, let's go on then to some of these intentions of heaven, of our Abba for us, his children, his chosen ones. So the first word used in the King James, and I think it's here too in the New American Standard, is perfect or perfect, however you want to look at it. King James says, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect. Can we peek at the Passion Translation right here? It says, then after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. Now, one of the commentators here blew me away because it said what is happening is a knitting together with the Spirit. I've been sharing a lot lately in the Renewing of the Mind series and the Power of the Words about our spirit man that is already perfect, flawless, filled with the glory, filled with the faith, filled with all the power and the glory and the wisdom and the love and the majesty and the perfection of Christ. Our spirit man already is there. Hebrews 10:14. just a little reminder, if you don't believe me, <laughs> by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. So the whole reason why we have to renew our minds is to get bring what's that perfection, that completion of our what's what's in our spirit man into our mind and our will and our emotions. Hallelujah. So this business of knitting, I've invited our in-house expert to just show you a little talk a tiny bit about what is knitting. Maybe just seeing it will just kind of help something click. I tried to knit years ago, and I can tell you it's not easy. <laughs> Before you start, you need a pattern. You need a little booklet that tells you the stitches you're going to need to know. And you need to have patience. There needs to take time. You have to be diligent in order to complete it because it might take too long. Are you getting on the bike? And you'll need tools. Oh, I forgot. I'm not good with that. <laughs> Let me hold it while you talk. Oh, all right. 
You need you tools. Just, just you have to back up. Did you get what she said? Okay. <laughs> You'll need tools, which in this case is a crochet hook, and you need different sizes compared, you know, whatever the pattern says you need to make a certain number of stitches will make an inch. So you need to do that. And the first thing you do is make a chain. Uh, my chain's not very big, but it gets longer, and you make it as long as the pattern says, which in this pattern is like 136 inches. You have to do your yarn, which you need, and you need the colors they tell you to get. And this is what it looks like when you start. And it's really, really tight together, like a lot of knitting. Crocheting's sometimes looser, but it can be tight, just like this. And then you... Can I just you, stop you a second? There's sure. a couple things that are just... I'm just... <laughs> like pattern. Did you hear her talk about a pattern? Jesus has a pattern. We are all predestinated to be conformed to the image of Christ. And then when you were talking about, you used the word tight. Yeah. I mean, do you, we're going to pass this around so you can see it, but it's very tight, very close. I mean, there's a nearness of Jesus and his spirit. There's a, there's a real nearness. And there's an expertise involved, right? God knows what he's doing. Here we go. Okay, well, this is nothing I'd ever done before, but I thought it was a good thing to show you because if you don't have the pattern, you don't get these stitches right, and it doesn't look like this. And I mean, there's, this is just a half of a whatever I'm doing. This is just half of it, but it's, it, you have to have the pattern to tell you exactly. And I messed them up. <laughs> To it, but then God puts it all together, and bam! There's beauty, there's glory. And with this particular pattern, like life is sometimes, you have to. I thought you could just, I could just read it, and I could just do it. No, it didn't work that way. You take it one step at a time to make that stitch do exactly what it's supposed to do. Otherwise, it doesn't come out right, and you start over. <laughs> So the internet defines knitting as a method in which yarn is manipulated to create a textile. And that's what God's up to. He's creating. He's building. He's making. We position ourselves in his presence. We put that word into our hearts, that sperma. We water it with our declarations, with our praise, with our faith. We have to give God something to work with. In other words, she couldn't do anything if she didn't have any yarn. Am I right? We have to give God something to work with. I see his needles. Do you just do all that with one? We do crochet usually, yeah. But isn't knitting two? Yeah. Okay. Because I was kind of picturing that, the, the, that his needles were the Holy Spirit and his word. Just working, working, working. I mean, he uses even the circumstances of our life, right? Even our wrong choices. He weaves it all together and makes something beautiful. Hallelujah. So he's creating, he's perfecting. Now, the Greek word here is kind of interesting. It's katartizo. The same word I used a few sessions ago when I was speaking about um, the power of our words. Remember Hebrews 11.3? where it says that God used his word to frame his world, the world. 
And that's how we're supposed to frame up our world. We use the words we speak, which should be mostly his words, because that's what has real power. But we have to understand we do have divine ability to create. Now, that word, kartartizo, I talked about at that point, is the same word. Frame. Same word as perfect. Same word. It remember, at that point, I told you it meant to restore. It means to mend. It's the same word in the Gospels where it talked about the disciples mending their nets. Mending their nets. In other words, joining together perfectly. No gaps. Nothing missing, right? So God is making us one. And this union we have in Christ Jesus, it is a spiritual reality whether we know it or not. But he's knitting us, building us, taking his perfection and knitting it into the very fabric of who we are. I don't know if it's making some sense here. You see, God doesn't want to get rid of your personality. I've heard Christians that are praying to so much, may I decrease, may I decrease, may I decrease, and may you increase. Yes, we want Christ to be there. His glory, so obvious. But he doesn't want to get rid of our personality. There's a reason why he made every one of you different. There's a reason why you each have your own fingerprint and your own little quirkiness and your own little greatness. I mean, every single one of us. But once his glory, his greatness is knitted into our personality and into our who we are, then all that glory of Christ begins to, to show. So here's just a couple ideas the Lord gave me. For example, Colossians 2, 3, it says, All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. Can you see him knitting that, some of that wisdom, some of that knowledge into the very fabric of who you are? All that beauty, all that holiness, his purity, the depth of his peace. What if instead of having to go to the throne every time and say, I need some peace, Jesus. Oh, I'm out of peace. I need some more peace. What if instead we saw it knitted into the very fabric of who we are? I am peaceful. I'm full of peace because the Prince of Peace is in me. My heart is not troubled. My my heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Or how about the fullness of his love? Or how about his power and authority instead of having to beg for, i got to have power today. Lord, I need some authority over this situation. No, what if we understood and allowed Christ to knit it into the very fabric of who we are? I am a king. I am a priest. I have authority over all the power of the enemy. That's who I am, right? I was reading this little devotional this week by Heidi um, Baker, where she said, if it's true that the greater one is in us, and how many of us believe that? We say it, we quote it, but if it's true, what are we afraid of? We still got some of these things that loom big, too much. No, we have the greater one in us. He's knitting, he's building, he's establishing faith, he's establishing God consciousness, a mindset of righteousness, a heart that's steadfast, strong, and settled, and beautiful, right? Glory to God. He's knitting his strength into the very fabric of who I am. It would be not an untruth for me to say I'm weak. Because the Bible says I'm strong. It would be an untruth, friends, for me to say, oh, I'm shy. 
I can't do that. I can't talk in front of people. Because the Bible says he's not given us a spirit of timidity or of fear or of shyness, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So let's go quickly to the next intention of heaven listed here to establish, or excuse me, I guess King James uses the word establish, the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you've suffered a little while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. So the fun thing about the word establish is it's the very same word. Now remember who's writing this. It's Peter by the power of the Holy Spirit. But this word established shows up in Luke chapter 22, verse 32, where Jesus warned Peter. You know, Peter was so sure, I'll be willing to die with you. And Jesus said, hmm, just so you know, you're going to be denying me three times before this day is over. And then he said, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. That's the word right there, strengthen. So two times in the New Testament, this word sterizio is translated as strengthened, but most of the time established. Here's a couple of them. Romans 16.25. Let's just jump right to the passion, if that's okay, because I'm down to four minutes left. All right, I give all my praises and glory to the one who has more than enough power to make you strong and keep you steadfast. Glory, glory, glory. Here's another place where this word established shows up, and it's in James 5, verse 8, where it says, Be also patient. Establish your hearts. That's the way King James puts it. Establish your hearts. Strengthen your hearts. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Phillips says, did you find Phillips? Okay, let's look at that quick. You must be patient, resting your hearts. Oh, isn't that a nice phrase? Resting your hearts on the ultimate certainty. What is the ultimate certainty? That the Lord's coming is very, very near. So heaven's clear intention is to perfect us, to knit us into the very fabric of who we are, his wisdom, his perfection. He wants our hearts established firm and resolute. He wants to strengthen us. That was the next word. Um, so quickly about this word strengthen. I know when we think strengthen, we mean bodily vigor, right? Which is definitely a God thing. All kinds of other verses talk about this strength that he wants to give us. But it's an interesting word in the Greek. It only shows up one time in the entire Bible, and it's in 1 Peter 5.10, where it says strengthen. But it's not necessarily the typical strengthen. What it means in that verse is to stand. To stand. In other words, when it's all said and done, you're the one that's still standing. You're the one that's still standing. I'm missing a page here. What happened? There we go. Um, Yep, still standing. Okay, so we had one more word to settle us. And, of course, when I read settle, I think quiet. I think of Zephaniah 3.17, how he quiets us with his love. I think of Psalm 131.2, where David says, my soul is like a weaned child. But again, 1 Peter 5.10 isn't talking about that kind of subtle. Here, the word settle means to ground firmly, 
to lay a foundation. Identical Greek word used in Jesus' talk, Matthew chapter 7. I do want to turn there. Thank you, Jeremy, for trying so hard. I just ran out of time here. Okay, here, listen to this. Everyone who hears my teaching, Jesus is talking to the, the crowd. He says, your whole life can be compared to being a foolish man or a wise man. The foolish man used sand. Cheap, easy, got it done, okay. Or the rock. Build your house on the rock. A little bit more money involved, a little bit more time involved, a lot more investment. But here comes the rain to both of them. Here comes the floods to both of them. Here come the fierce winds to both the foolish and the wise. Which house is still standing in the end? The one who built it on the rock. That's what settle means. When he says, I want to settle you, he says, I want to ground you firmly. When the storm comes and the winds are blowing, I want you standing when it's all over, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Abba fully intends for us to be strong in him. He expects, and and remember, he is personally overseeing. He wants you strong. He's strategizing for your strength. Let's keep giving God something to work with, that yarn, so he can work with his needles, get to work with us. Needles make it sound like it's painful. No, (laughs) it's not painful with Jesus. So, Father, I thank you so much that you are still Elohim, still creating, still building, still making, still knitting into us the very perfection of who you are, the fullness, the completeness into the very fabric of who we are. Thank you for this personal attention you show to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. May our hearts be at rest. May we be found secure in your love and standing in Christ, built on that rock, Christ Jesus. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.